Good morning, church. Hey, all right. Uh, hey, if there's not a technical issue, you're not at Rock Creek, all right? So there's always going to be some. But we are so glad that you're here. For those of you in the room, good morning. Yes, uh, love that you're here, love that I get to see some of your faces. Unlike Randy, I don't memorize masks, I memorize, I memorize faces, so it's so good to see faces, men in halls in the back, loving it, yes. Kids, if you, need, if you get bored with my message, just run out into the lobby and enjoy time with my three hoodlums out there. What's up, boys? Got some waving going on. Awesome. Hey, so uh, we would love for you to attend. If you're new around here and you're like, ah, I don't know how to get the email, what the Randy just talked about, uh, you can just go to our website, rockcreekchurch.org, uh, hit the connect button on there, fill that briefly out. That'll get you on the mailing list, but also let us connect with you. Uh, even during COVID, uh, we are still in the business of connecting with you if you want to connect with us, uh, especially if you're brand new and you want to find out about the life of the church, find out about who we are and what we're doing. We'd love to take you out for coffee. We can even sit a few tables away and just shout at each other. Um, but we do not want to stop meeting together in person as some are in the habit of doing. There's a way to do church. There's a way to do it safely. There's a way to do it to where you're protected. But uh, staying away from each other, can I get an amen, is not the way that we want to do this long term. We need each other. We need contact with each other. Maybe that's the dad in me speaking uh, because this week we kick off school and I'm shaking uh, of what awaits us uh, with online learning for the year. Anyway, um, enough of that. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open them to the book of Ephesians. We are launching a brand new series that Alex alluded to that's titled New Creation People. And that is where this is the very first Sunday we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to go through the entire book. We're going to pick it apart. We're going to grab all of the major themes, and we're going to give you an idea of what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be saved, what it means to be uh, redeemed, the foundation of this series. And so what we're going to do is take it section by section, and we're going to ask some underlining questions along the way. This is a theme you're going to see throughout uh, several months. In fact, this takes us all the way up to the last Sunday in November, and then we launch our Christmas series in the first Sunday of December. And the question we're going to be asking over and over and over and answering, answering this is, who are you? In fact, we're going to be asking a lot of questions, and not necessarily for public interaction, although that might be the case, but a lot of our questions is for you to ponder, for you to wrestle with, for you to uh, digest and wrestle with, and here's what we don't want you to do. We don't want you to answer either out loud or in your heart the Sunday school churchy answer. We want you to answer what is it that you feel, what is it that you know is truth, and then let's wrestle with that. Sometimes the questions that are posed are going to give an ugly answer in your own heart. That's okay. Because every person that walks through these doors, everybody that tunes into our YouTube channel, you are welcome here. Regardless of where you're at in your faith journey and in your study of Scripture and your embracing of what Christ has done for you, you're welcome here. So several weeks are going to be answering that question of who are you. It's a question that sometimes we'll answer for ourselves. 
we'll give an immediate answer to that. Sometimes consciously, sometimes uh, less consciously, but we'll answer that. Sometimes others will answer it for us. Have you been there? Where you go, who are you? And then the world, quote unquote, the world that i.e. your friends, your family, your work, everything will answer that question for you. It starts when you're little. Were you the firstborn? Were you born on time? Were you a natural delivery? Were you a, a C-section delivery? Were you delivered on the way uh, to the hospital? Did your uh, dad get pulled over by the police as you were being born? Who are you? Were you the baby in the family? Were you the middle child? Someday we're going to ask, are you a COVID baby? Right? We don't even have that yet. But someday we're going to ask that. Hey, I'm a COVID baby. We're going to do that uh, exactly like we are today. What were you like? Were you the funny kid? Were you the tall kid? Were you the short and heavy kid? Were you the athletic kid? This is what world defines us as. Were you the artsy kid? Were you the brain kid? Did you get all straight A's? Were you the valedictorian? Who were you? And better yet, today, this morning, who are you? And so that's what we're going to be digesting as we go. Sir Francis Bacon. How many of you know that man? Anybody? Sir Francis Bacon. Is there a better name? <laughs> Sir Francis Bacon. Like that is, if I could have kids again, one of them's getting bacon in their name. Uh, Sir Francis Bacon, born in 1561. He was an English philosopher, attorney general, Lord Chancellor of England. I don't know, like... You can't really brag who you are unless you can be called a Lord Chancellor. Like, that's just super cool. And your last name is Bacon. Anyway, this man wrote this in regards to uh, some books. He says this, quote, Some books are to be tasted, others are to be swallowed, and some few to be chewed and digested. And Ephesians, I want to suggest to you, needs to be chewed and digested. Uh, sometimes you read something, you move right past it, and you move right along, and you don't really remember it. Ephesians is one where we need to not only chew on it, taste it, swallow it, but digest it into our being, if it's going to make some change. And as we jump into this letter, I want you to know Paul's one basic message that is a running theme from the beginning of Ephesians all the way to the end of the book, and that is this. Because believers have a new life in Christ, they ought to live a new life in the Spirit. Something ought to look different. Well, that immediately comes to our identity. I mean, it immediately comes to like how we live life. What do we do? What do we not do? And this is why we've entitled this series, New Creation People. It's kind of a churchy phrase, if you would. New creation people. But nothing could be more true than what we find when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We literally go from death to life. And I don't know how many of you, how many of you hate funerals? Like hate to the point you don't go to them. Yeah, there, some people will not even go to the funeral because the idea of death is so destructive, it's, it's so morbid that they don't want to even get near it. Well, the book of Ephesians grabs death, embraces it, and says, here's who you are as individuals, here's who you are as Christ followers. So if you would, 
Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It'll be on the screen. You can open up your, your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have one, there are several on the table uh, outside the lobby there. You can open up your phones, your iPads, whatever. This will be out of the New Living Translation. So if you're using a different one, uh, some of the words might be a, a tad bit different. So here's from the New Living Translation, chapter 1, verse 1. This letter, Ephesians, is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to start grabbing some uh, highlights throughout this passage, and you'll be ahead of the game. Verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with his kindness on us, screw those words up, along with all the wisdom and his understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Notice whose plan it is. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. He chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to turn to Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now, you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when he believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised a long time ago. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify him. It's the word of the Lord. So I want to encourage you as we get ready to launch this, I have two asks, both for you who are going to be here in person. There's a lot of you here this morning, so that's good. I'm going to ask uh, also for you online, find your Bible, find a paper Bible and make that your Bible that you're going to use throughout this entire series. I also want to ask you to get a notebook. Bring that notebook to church if you're going to be here on a Sunday, or have that notebook readily available if you're watching online. And here's my ask. My ask is that throughout the entire series, you would be taking a marker, a pen, a pencil, a highlighter, and underlining and circling and drawing arrows and taking notes, literally making your Bible your manual for what God is saying to you through His Holy Scriptures. Take a Bible and make that your Bible throughout the entire series. And I promise you by the end, you will be able to walk someone through the book of Ephesians 
and help them understand what it means to be and to live in Christ. One of the great myths, particularly in the West, is that we're all individuals. You understand that? That, that we're all individuals. We see ourselves almost exclusively in individualistic terms. At the most, perhaps, maybe, is we see ourselves as part of a family. But even in that family, we have an individual role or an identity. The risk is, if we think that way from, from an individualized idea about ourselves... We tend to have an identity based on things like, am I old? Am I young? Am I black? Am I white? Am I rich? Am I poor? Am I Republican? Am I a Democrat? Am I smart or not so smart? Not referring to the previous two questions there. Am I beautiful or am I average? Don't answer that about me. Am I a winner? Am I a loser? Am I healthy? Am I sick? Am I single? Am I married? Am I divorced? Am I a widow? All of these things can certainly help make up to describe us, but they don't define us. And sometimes one of the risks that we have is we grab hold of one of those things and that then defines us. I'm a widow, I'm divorced. I'm a a, a recovering addict. And then we grab hold of those things which were never meant to define us and they become who we are. And here's a very important point. The Bible says, here's who you are. You are either in Adam or you are in Christ. You are in one of those two positions, and we're going to unpack this because it's incredibly important because literally your identity, and more than just your identity here today, August 23rd of 2020, more than just that, your eternal destiny depends on your identity, either being in Adam or in Christ. It's that balance. You're either born as Adam in sin and you're staying in sin, you're wallowing in sin, you're walking in sin, that's your identity, or you are in Christ who is an incredible Savior. And we're going to unpack that. None of us are individuals. Your actions affect me. If we wanted to really make uh, this truth come, come alive, we would have you each just start doing your own thing in this room. It would start to affect everybody. Why? Because you're not an individual. And the same is true as we live life. None of us are isolated. None of us are alone. We're part of one of two groups, one of two families, if you would, one of two teams, one of two nations, those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Here's how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, chapter 15, verse 21 and 22. He says this, For as by a man came what? Death. That's Adam. By a man also has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. And here's the language. For in who? In Adam, there's one team, one group, one category, all what? Die, so also in Christ, there's our big idea, in Christ shall all be made what? 
alive. You're, we're going to hit this over and over and over and over throughout this series. You are either in death or you are alive in Christ. There is no middle ground. What we do is we put really nice clothes and we do our hair, if you're blessed with that kind of a thing, and we put on nice shoes and we dress up and we go out and we do things. And we look around and we go, man, that neighbor, that family, they're so nice. They go on such nice vacations. They sit around, their kids never fight, and they look beautiful. But we do know this as Christ followers. If they don't have Christ, they're dying. It's just covered up. And then you take someone like me and my family, and we're a disaster. And the waiter and the waitress are like begging us to leave. But we're alive. We are alive in Christ. And one of the rude deceptions of the world has been look the part. Just look the part. Just act the part. And it's just not how the Scriptures describe it. And as we jump in this journey, I want you to begin to start seeing yourself in terms of in Adam or in Christ. We're all born in Adam. We all inherit from him a sinful nature. We inherit separation and judgment on behalf of God of all creation. We need, the Bible says, to be spiritually born again. If you're new to the Bible, new to the Scriptures, new to this thing called Christianity, all, all that really means is uh, that you would accept that Jesus died for you, that he took your place, and we're going to get into that. But we need to be born again. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead to God without Jesus. We also need to be spiritually made alive to God, born again in Christ. This is the foundation. This is the framework of your identity. And in a world that is constantly telling you who you are, I want the scriptures to tell you who you are. And then I want the scriptures to give you the strength and the power and the courage to hold your head high and to live life. Not because you read a self-help book, not because you watched and binge watched eight seasons of Oprah and you just feel really good about yourself but because the truth has set you free and the truth has defined you. This is the foundation, new creation people. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how many times the New Testament refers to Christ followers as Christians? Just sh shout out some numbers. Zero? One? Three? Three times those who follow Christ are called Christians. And yet, how do we refer to ourselves? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Only three times. The Bible says that your identity is as a Christian three times, but it also says that your identity is in Christ. How many times does the Bible say your identity is? as is in Christ. Can anyone guess? 216 times. 216 times we as followers of Jesus are described as being in Christ. We might want to know what that means. 
that might be important because here's what I don't know. And I know I, I don't know a lot of things, but here's what I do know. If someone tells you something 216 times, there's two truths. Number one, they mean it. They mean what they're saying. Number two, they're afraid you're going to forget it. And as Christ followers, when we look at the church, we have in part forgotten what it means to be in Christ. And I just want to challenge you to think introspectively a little bit throughout this series. To ask yourself, am I running around crazy watching the news and being fearful around every corner and, and scared about what's going to happen with the economy and jobs and COVID and social injustice and everything? Like, am I just caught up in the world? Or do I have a hope that's beyond this world because I'm in Christ? And there's a difference between being in Adam and being in Christ. At the cross, Jesus traded places with you. Wrap your mind around that. He traded places with you. And your place wasn't very good. It's not like he traded places with you and you were at the front of the line. And he's like, hey, you want to trade places? No, he traded places with you. You're not even near the line. He, tra he literally traded places with Brian. All the death, all the shame, all the condemnation, all the judgment that truly I stand before you today and I say, I deserve. That went to Jesus. And boy, did he suffer because of me. All the forgiveness, all the love, all the grace that Jesus has rightly to his fingertips as the sinless son of God, that comes to me. What that does is it changes our identity. It changes the realm at which we live in the reality day to day. And I want you to see this. If you are in Christ, you are in Christ's position and Christ is in your position. I'll say that again. If you are in Christ, you are in Christ's position. That's a really good place to be. And Christ is in your position and that's a horrible place to be. That's one of judgment and conviction. That's one of a trumped-up charge and a horrible court hearing. In the secret of the night, you are led away to the cross. And he takes that position for you. If you are in Christ, you stand in the position of Christ. You are loved as Christ is loved. You are blessed as Christ is blessed. You are embraced and adored as Christ is embraced and adored as the Son of God. I need you to see this. 
this, the rest of the book will come into place if you can wrap your minds around this. Because you'll live from an identity in Christ. You'll realize that you're free from religion and trying. You'll be free from shame and condemnation because all of that was taken care of for you. You don't have to lie in bed and be in fear that God is going to judge you and bring punishment on you. That's already done. And it's available to you in Christ. So we've got this big idea. Stay with me because we're going to then unpack it here briefly. We've got this big idea of what it means to be in Christ. And I want to ask you to ask this question of yourself. In the quietness of your heart, what does it mean to be in Christ? If your neighbor, uh, a coworker, goes, hey, you're a Christian, right? Well, actually, I'm in Christ. You don't have to, like, be argumentative with people. Just embrace the fact that you're a Christian, even though it's only three times in the Scripture. Nevertheless, if they were to say, okay, but help me understand what, is, what does it mean to be in Christ, would you be able to walk them through that? Let, let's say they heard this message and they go, hey, your pastor said you're defined 216 times by being in Christ. What does that mean? Would you be able to articulate and walk them through exactly what that means? You will today. Paul starts his letter around A.D. 61 to the church in Ephesus. Most scholars believe that he wrote it from Laodicea while under house arrest. House arrest was not, let's, let's get one thing clear, house arrest was not laying on the couch like, you know, spring when everybody went online. House arrest was not laying on the couch watching Netflix. Yeah, I can't leave the house, but fridge is full and I got Netflix and Prime, so yeah, I'm good. No, house arrest was pretty hard. The emperor Nero is still ruling. Christians are about to be slaughtered in a way that we couldn't even count. Ephesus is this great city throughout Asia Minor. In fact, it's the main city. It's the main city for politics. It's the main city for trade. It's the main city for all the economy. The, the entry port is right there, but it's also the main city for religion. If you want to talk religion, if you want to talk spirituality, there's a place for you in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is a church that Paul founded and he planted, spent two years teaching and ministering and pouring into the people there. He loves these people. He wants them to understand. But as he writes, he's imprisoned, he's hated, he's oppressed, he's ostracized, he's despised, and he's talking about our identity not being an idolatry as much of Ephesus is, but our identity being in Christ. Now, this might be slightly new for you as you listen, but it's monumentally life-changing for those who are listening in Ephesus. So practically, what does it mean to be in Christ? How does this fit into being a new creation person? I'm going to give you six truths, and I'm going to invite you to grab a pen or take notes in your phone or whatever, but these are going to be impactful because here's what has happened to me all week. I have found myself all week long walking around repeating these truths, almost like a mantra, because this is how God sees me. This is my identity. And if you're anything like me, sometimes I'm like, I'm the worst parent in the world. 
I, I, need to be more, I need to be more consistent. I, I need to be more loving. I need to be more patient. I need, to, I need, I need, I need, I need, and I fill in the blank. And then I go back to what the Scripture says. I go, oh, God, thank God this describes me. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better this. I need to do better at this. Those things begin to define me, and then I go back to the Scriptures, to this chapter. This chapter defines me. So please, I beg you, take these notes and begin to read them all week long. Number one, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means that you can be faithful. Chapter 1, verse 1, in Christ you will live a faithful life. In Christ you can live a consistent life. In Christ, you can live a persevering life. Because if you abide in Him, get this, if you abide in Him and He abides in you, you can bear much fruit. Amen? Amen. Without Him abiding in you and you in Him, you have no, cho- you have no chance to bear fruit. At best, you're going to be nice. But you will not bear fruit from the Holy Spirit. And so there's your hope. This is different from motivational speaking. It's completely different. It's Christ's help, not your help, not your friend's help, not your spouse's help, not a great book you read, not a great podcast. This is Christ's help in you. In other words, this is not about me living a life that glorifies God. Now, hold on to your seat here. I'm not talking heresy. I want you to understand what I'm about to say here. This is not about you living a life that glorifies God. We're going to turn this upside down and hopefully give you peace and hopefully remove some of the weight that's on your shoulder to be that good Christian. This is about God living a life through me that glorifies God. You with me? This isn't about you waking up going, all right, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to glorify God today with how I live my life. No, the scriptures say it's about God living a life through you that glorifies himself. It's God's life in me. If I'm still living my life for me and through me, I haven't died yet. The old is not gone and the new has come. It's still me. It's my attitudes, it's my opinions, it's my political beliefs, it's my moral beliefs, it's what I want. But the Bible says if you're in Christ, it's God's life in me, it's God's life through me. It's not just my life for him, it's his life through mine. And I'll be perfectly frank with you. When I'm walking in light of this truth, I'm doing really well. Why? Because Christ is doing really well. When I'm not doing this right, things aren't right. Why? Because it's Brian living out the life. The Bible says that Christ is faithful, and it's the faithfulness of Christ to us that allows us to live out the faithfulness to Christ. It's a different angle of looking at our lives. Number two, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means you're blessed. Do you want to be blessed? Does anyone not want to be blessed? Like, hey, I want to bless you with, like, 
all these brownies. Oh, no, no, no. Says no one. Right, kids? Bring on the brownies. Bless me. And bless me tomorrow. The second thing he says is, in Christ you are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Josh only gets two blessings. No, he gets all. Mimi gets 12. No, she gets all. How many spiritual blessings do you think are in heaven available to God? Yeah, like, that's a high number. Every spiritual blessing you have been blessed with if you are a follower of Christ and you are in Christ. That means you have superpowers. That means you are a superhero. And then he jumps down to chapter 1, verse 6. He says this, He has blessed us in the beloved. He hasn't blessed us in Brian. He hasn't blessed us in Paul. No offense to Paul. I don't want to be blessed with myself. You ever get tired of looking in the mirror at yourself? Maybe some of you don't, but man, I... I'm like, yeah, there you are again. I don't want to be blessed with Brian. I want to be blessed with the beloved. In Christ, you are blessed. Sometimes that's financially. Sometimes that's emotionally. Sometimes that's physically. But all of the time, that's spiritually. All of the time, that's spiritually. You've been blessed with the righteousness of Christ. You have been blessed with the love of Christ. You have been blessed with the forgiveness of Christ. You have been blessed with a guaranteed resurrection from the dead. That skull is not you. And here's the truth. We all deserve hell. If we're talking about what's right and we're talking about what's just, hot topics in today's culture, let's make everything right. Okay, well, if we're going to make everything right, you and I deserve nothing but hell. Everything else outside of hell is a blessing. Everything else is a blessing. In Christ, you are blessed. Please receive that today. Number three, you are chosen. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. In Christ, he says, you are chosen and made blameless. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever chosen you? If you're married, unless it was arranged, the person sitting next to you presumably chose you. You ever been chosen by someone? Today is Sandy and I's 23rd anniversary. Yep. I absolutely chose Sandy. I have no idea why she chose me. All you got to do is hang out with Sandy for a while and go, oh, that's obvious. And then you hang out for me for a while and you're like, oh, man, I just need to find out more about what she was thinking. <laughs> I choose Sandy. 
maybe for some of you it was like this. Do they play kickball anymore as kids? You guys play kickball or, I don't know, whatever you do. And you're picking teams, remember? Maybe it's not politically correct anymore to have captains of teams. Nevertheless, uh, we used to play kickball at recess, and, you know, sometimes it would come down to literally, like, everybody's picking teams, picking teams, and there's four people left, four, three, two. Now it's just you and, like, a plastic fern. (laughs) And the captains are like, I just don't know. And finally, they're like, okay, I'll take the fern. <laughs> and you're like, awesome. I never get picked. I never get chosen. Like, I need to find a, a, a field for my career where I get chosen. Anybody ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand, Josh. Well, let me help you. You are chosen. You are holy. You are His perfection. His perfection is your perfection. In Christ, you are blameless. God doesn't have a list of all your transgressions, and He doesn't take Friday afternoons to catch up with, like, paperwork in the office, and He's like, oh, my gosh, like, Randy, this week is going to take me hours to fill out His form. He doesn't keep a list of your transgressions. He doesn't keep a list of your failures. He doesn't keep a list of all your mistakes. If you feel that way and you wrestle with, that's hogwash. That's, that's the enemy deceiving you. God keeps a list of how beloved you are. God keeps a list of how incredible you are. God keeps a list of why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And all of this frees us up to live out the righteousness of Christ and to live for the glory of Christ. You see the difference between that and religion? And as your pastor who loves you, I don't want you to be motivated by guilt. I don't want you to be motivated by shame. I don't want you to be motivated by comparison. I want you to know that you are in Christ so that you can begin to live the life that Christ has for you. And if you are not living in Christ, there's a whole part of you that is yet to be unearthed. And it is good. It is so good. In Christ you were chosen for this. In Christ... In Christ, you were made holy and blameless. Number four, you are forgiven. Any of you ever been forgiven here recently? Like you did something stupid and someone forgave you? Raise your hand if you've been forgiven, like in the last couple of days. Doesn't that feel good? Like you're just an idiot. And then someone goes, I forgive you. I love you. It's like, "Ah, I don't deserve that, but thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Paul goes on to say, in Christ you are forgiven, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in Him, there's one of the 216 times, in Him, in Christ, in Him, in Christ, in the Beloved, it's there over and over and over and over all throughout the New Testament, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In Christ you are forgiven. It's all good. You are forgiven because Jesus was punished in your place for your sins. That's why you're forgiven. Why is that important? Because God never punishes those who are in Christ because he already punished Christ. 
And God is a good God, but boy, did He punish Christ. So you don't have to. The wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God, not the children of God. Amen? Boy, am I thankful. Now, it's true that we reap what we sow. Our actions have consequences, and we have to address those. That's God's way of helping us learn and to grow. Sometimes like, uh, it's like a parent who says, um, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that three, four, five, six times, and then the kid does it and then realizes, ah, I shouldn't do that. That's God. And that's where the Bible says in the book of Proverbs and Hebrews that the father disciplines the children in whom he you're facing discipline, know that the Father loves you, that He hasn't left your side, that He cares deeply for you. It's always in love. It's never in anger. It's always for good. It's never for our destruction. And it's always that we might grow, not that we would be discouraged. Friends, you are forgiven in Christ. Every one of you are forgiven in Christ. And I want to ask you, do you walk every day with your head held high in light of that truth? Or does the world around you throw punches and begin to drop your head? I hope your head's high. I, I hope at least after this morning your head is held high because you are forgiven. Number five, we're almost done. You have an inheritance. Any of you ever get an inheritance? A few of you have an inheritance? Paul continues, in Christ you have an inheritance, verse 11. In Him we have also obtained an inheritance. Next question, have you ever felt cheated, stolen, or disregarded? You ever felt that? Cheated? Like someone stole something from your life, whether it's a condition of your heart, an event, uh, or something tangible. Have you ever felt overlooked or disregarded? In Christ, you have not been overlooked. In a world with a lot of people and a lot going on, God cares about what you are going through. You are not overlooked. In fact, you're at the forefront of his thoughts. You're at the forefront of his heart. And there's an inheritance. Now, you and I tend to be at times short-sighted people. We live in the now, the latest news coverage, the latest episode, the next episode. If we're binge-watching, we want it now. But there's a long game. God has an inheritance, and to be sure, we have aspects of it now in this life. The rest of it, the Bible says, is waiting for life to come. And when the Bible talks about this sort of life, here's what it says. It calls it, quote, it's coming in a little while. That inheritance is coming in a little while. Because I know 
much like parenting, when you have a newborn and the newborn won't sleep, whereas Alex, you have a baby that won't sleep and you're like, I'm just going to pull out all my hair and I'm just going to uh, sit in the corner and drool and someone says, hang in there, they'll get it. And you go, awesome, that doesn't help me tonight. That's great that that's coming, but it's not here yet. And that's something that we feel as well. It feels like a long way off. When, when a preacher gets up and says, hey, in heaven there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. You go, that's fine and dandy, but my spouse has cancer now. It can be hard to put our sights in the future, but in Christ there's an inheritance that is waiting for you and me. Lastly, number six. It's written on our wall right outside the room here. Four huge letters with dozens of light bulbs. Hope. Hope. In Christ, you have hope. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12 says that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Your hope is in Christ. Your hope is in Christ. Are you hearing that? Your hope is not in your government. Your hope is not in your beauty. Your hope is not in your IQ. Your hope is not in your degree. Your hope is not in your job. Your hope is not in your spouse or your family. Your hope is not in your friends. Your hope is in Christ. Your hope, that which gives you strength, your hope alone forever has to be, must be, and I beg you for it to be in Christ. Because that's the only hope that isn't going to be washed away. That's the only hope that's not going to fade. That's the only hope that's going to stand with you when you are standing all by yourself. And for those of you in this room, and you know this, when, when it has really hit the fan, and you are in your darkest moment, and you are all alone, that is the worst feeling even if you have Christ as your hope, let alone if you don't, because you stand there alone. Because apart from Christ, here, apart from Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. If you've been hanging your hope on morality, there's no hope. If you're hanging your hope on an election, there's no hope. If you're hanging your hope on your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, your spouse, your kids, your intellect, your competence, your ability, it will fail you. Your hope is only in Christ. 
So let's review this. Six points. Now you're going to be able to articulate it to someone. What does it mean for you to be in Christ? It means that you can be faithful. It means that you're blessed. It means that you are chosen. Not the plastic fern. You are chosen. It means that you're forgiven. Can you just, can you forgive yourself? Because the God of all creation has forgiven you. Can you embrace that forgiveness? You have an inheritance both now and, and what is to come. It's beyond words. It's beyond description. And you have hope. Friends, if you don't have hope, I don't know how you get through day to day. I don't know how you lose a spouse. I don't know how you deal with the rockiness of the economy. I don't know how you wrestle through mental illness. I don't know how you deal with heartache without hope. And all of this, all of this comes through the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his son to die a brutal death on the cross and that all who believe in him will be saved. They will not perish. Brian version. Do you have hope? Do you have these things that are listed out? Do you have them, but there's a few that you struggle with embracing? Then make it your prayer this week, God, help me to live in light that I'm forgiven. Because I really struggle with that one. God, help me to live in life that I'm chosen because I usually think bad about myself. Help me to, to embrace the fact that you chose me, that you love me, that you're crazy about me. Whatever it is that you struggle with, grab hold of that and ask God for help. And whatever it is that you do embrace, highlight it, shout it from the rooftops, hold your head high and walk in light of that. And when the world begins to tell you you are something else, pull out the scriptures and say, Satan, be gone. Here's who I am. And then allow that to carry you every minute of every day. This is going to be an incredible series. <laughs> I hope you're ready. I hope you bring your Bibles. I hope you bring a notebook. I hope you take some notes because you will not be able to fully remember all of this by the time we hit December. And this is life-changing stuff. Thanks for uh, hanging with me a little bit longer. I didn't want to rush through the last part. Thank you for you guys being here, hanging in there a little bit longer. We're going to worship. And I want to encourage you. You know, something that happens, you online people will understand this and you'll give a hearty amen. If you watch online, sometimes you can hear the sanctuary singing. That means you. Now, don't misunderstand that. That's not like, oh my gosh, they heard me singing off key. No, y'all sound great. Technology. Alex is like, I'm going to make everyone sound beautiful. It's great. 
but there's something powerful, amen, those of you who are online, when you hear the church singing. Do not let the mask stop you from singing. Cry out to God. You know why we worship? Because we're not dead. We're alive in Christ. Let that be what guides you in your worship, your passion, your volume this day. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. As we get ready to respond in worship to these truths, thank you ultimately that there's hope. (laughs) There's hope that the baby will sleep. There's hope that the marriage will be healed. There's hope that the cancer will be healed. There's hope that relationships will be mended. There's hope, there's hope, there's hope in Christ. Help us to respond in our worship in light of that truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's worship.